0: You know, we sure do serve a good, good Father who loves us in many, many ways. Although sometimes our experiences may cause us to question that, God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and will be the same forevermore. Even though our experiences in life sometimes um, have us wavering back and forth, isn't it great to know that God never changes? I wonder just how many of you have ever really genuinely gotten to a point in your life where things were going great. Everybody, Anybody ever gotten there? Well, if you've gotten there, was there a point where once you finally realized that things are going well, that everything almost in an instant changed? It seems like that, so it's almost like I don't even want to think if uh, I've gotten there or not. But, uh, you know, today... I'm not sure where, where he disappeared to. James Gardner was, is back with us. He's playing the drums for us. And a couple of months ago, James received such news. And he came before us in the second service and shared that he had just discovered he had throat cancer. And so he has just finished going through all his treatments. Last Wednesday, they scoped him to find out if they could see anything. And praise God, nothing. And so guess the first place where he came to. Amen, right? God is good. The first place he came to was here on Wednesday night. He knew we were, we were meeting for church and he just wanted to tell everybody what was going on. And he, you know what he said to me? He said, God used it to bring him closer to Him. What a word of testimony! Then in the midst of having cancer, in the midst of going through the treatments, in the midst of all the things that he's even still struggling with, that he said, God used it to draw me closer to him. We do have a good, good father. You know, sometimes in life we receive news that changes everything, almost in an instant. And as we begin this new series, looking verse by verse through the book of Nehemiah, this is precisely what happened to Nehemiah. Nehemiah had it pretty good. Now, he was born in captivity, and he had gotten to the place where he was serving as cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, which was actually a pretty prominent position, a position of influence to the king. Um, Now, yeah, you might die because somebody tried to poison the king, but you got to live in the palace, you got to be with the king, you are in many ways a trusted advisor to The king and and a position of influence. And so, as we we go into Nehemiah, I want us to understand that he found himself in a position where everything was about as good as it was going to get in life. And as we'll see this morning, right in the beginning of of chapter one, everything changed in an instant. You know, it's interesting that um, kind of towards the end of the school year, as I was really beginning to think, okay, what is going to be the next sermon series? Nehemiah kept coming to mind I kept on playing it off I'm like I don't know about Nehemiah and I kept on coming up give me something that's really good and I kept coming back to Nehemiah over and over and over and so really about a month before we I went to Israel I decided, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the book of Nehemiah that'll be the next series little did I know the phone call that would come hey are you all interested in selling your property if you're not familiar with the book of Nehemiah, the, the, the journey that we are now on, on an accelerated path, is in many ways, Nehemiah is the best book of the Bible for us to go through right now. The principles that are in here, and I'm not just, a lot of people say, oh, it's a book on leadership. Well, there's a lot of great leadership principles that we could use as leaders from the book of Nehemiah, but as you'll see, the, the, uh, the sermon series, for the, the title for this sermon series is Pray, Plan, Plan. And, build. and you'll see that Nehemiah does this over and over as he goes through that he discovers things. You, you even see it here in the beginning of, of the book in chapter 1. You'll see it even played out that the very first thing he does is he prays. And then you'll see some of his planning process even at the end in the last verse of Nehemiah. You'll see that he's already got a plan in mind. And so he does those things before he even gets to the point of building but what a great lesson for us to learn, even where we're at individually in our lives, but where we're at together corporately. And so as we go verse by verse through the book of Nehemiah, I encourage you to read through it yourselves. Read through the book of Nehemiah so that as we come, and, and you know, I, I have told you guys over and over and over, I'm not a reader, and, and with all my troubles sleeping, when I read, I fall asleep and so it's tough for me to stay focused, and then when I get tired and sleepy, but if you can, sometime this week, just read through the whole book in one sitting, so that you get a feel for all that's going on in the text, and then as we go verse by verse through, you'll have more of an understanding of the, the, where we are in the midst of the story of what's going on in Nehemiah. But I want to invite us to ask a variety of different questions really two two sets of questions as we go through first is this how does this apply specifically to me how and and by that you specifically to you as you're reading through look look at what is coming off in these and, and this is a rich text how does this apply to us how does it apply to me and then what do i need to do today in light of what god's word says And so for all of us, wherever you find yourselves in the midst of the journey of life, in the midst of your relationship with Jesus, there's always going to be scriptural principles that jump off the page uh, that you need to ask yourself, okay, how can I apply that to my life right now? And secondly, how does this apply to us corporately as a church moving forward? There's going to be all sorts of principles in here uh, that apply to us as a body of believers. And then how will we choose to respond to God's voice. So as God speaks to us throughout his word, how are we gonna to choose to respond to that? You know, as we've talked over and over, God has called us as a body of believers to walk together in unity, to put unity on a high priority that we need to, we need to walk together. And, and, and we've seen that throughout the last couple of weeks that um, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. He called me on Friday. Uh, he was out of the country for a while and he came back and he had heard about what was going on. And he said, Dave, do you realize that there's been two miracles that have taken place? And I did, but I just kind of played dumb. And he said, the offer on the building is purely from God. That is a miracle. You guys weren't looking for it. God just plopped in your lap. But to have a 91 and 92 percent vote in favor of that, do you realize that that's a miracle? To get a group of people to agree in that kind of percentage is on anything is a miracle. It is again the voice of God confirming to us as we walk together in unity, as we make spiritual decisions, spiritual ways, it's it's amazing what God has done, and so I want to encourage us as we continue to go through this process and an exciting process that it will be, a crazy process, uh, a process that we don't have a lot of details to, that we continue to remember what God has already done. Because when we forget that, it's easy to get caught up in the details and the, the the rarest different things, much like the Israelites did over and over and over, and they did they murmured. You know, sometimes I... I can relate to, to uh, poor Moses. You know, and then times in the Word of God, Moses is you know, talking to God and he goes, these are your people, they're not mine. Well, let, let us make sure that as we go through times of uncertainty that we don't turn into the murmurers and therefore, forget what God has done. But as we go through this book, there's lots of things that I want us to see. And even this morning, there's, there's a, a variety of things I want us to see that Nehemiah had, things that we can emulate uh, both in our lives individually and together corporately as we go through this journey. And the first is this. Nehemiah had a caring heart. That as he was going through this and he's, he's with King Artaxerxes, he's got a, a, a great job. You still saw his heart for carrying. And it's going to be important for us to really examine our hearts, to really ask, do we have Caring hearts. Do we uh, are we allowing God to transform our hearts as we see in Ezekiel chapter thirty six, verse twenty six, where He t- talks about uh, that He'll give us a new heart, a new spirit, and take our our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. We really need to allow God to continue to be at work with us. But as we begin the story, and we'll, we'll begin in verse one of chapter one, I want you to remember where Nehemiah found himself. And so, as we begin in verse one, it says this: "The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hilkiah. Now it happened in the." Month of Shizlib, that in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, so he's in the king, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And so here we see that he, in the midst of all the plushness of his life and how comfortable life was for him, that he still had this caring heart. He wanted to know how his fellow countrymen were back in Jerusalem. You know, for me, sometimes when things are going real well, it's tough for me to have that same caring heart for everybody else. And it's something I have to constantly pray over to allow God to work in my heart to give me a heart that cares for others, a heart that cares for the things that God cares for. And so Nehemiah was certainly sensitive to those, and he had a caring heart. And and we see that play out in the next verse, in verse 3. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem was broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. And so Nehemiah, he hears what's taking place, and then we see the second component of Nehemiah that would be great for us to emulate, that not only did he have a caring heart, he had a sensitive heart. Even in the midst of the prestige that he had risen to in the kingdom, uh, that his heart was sensitive. I believe his heart was sensitive not just to his countrymen, but sensitive to what God's heart was sensitive for. You know, it's, an, it's, it's one thing for us to care for others, but it's another thing for us to really be sensitive to their needs. You know, and, and really be sensitive to their spiritual needs as well. You know, for us as a church moving forward, it, it's one thing to care for those in the community, but are we really sensitive to what they really need? And we do a great job, you know, in caring for people and taking care of their physical needs, but the moment that we lose sight of the real reason we're doing that, to take care of their spiritual needs, we begin to miss the mark. And so we need to constantly be having a caring heart caring for where people are but a sensitivity to what god is in the midst of doing in their life and so we see this in verse 4 in nehemiah it says this as soon as i heard these words i sat down and wept and mourned for days and here's a key that we'll see play out over and over and over through this book and i continued fasting and praying before the god of heaven This is one of the things that we'll see in Nehemiah's life, that when he was made aware of something, the first thing that he did was to drop to his knees and pray. You want a great leadership principle? Here it is. Don't start with your knowledge. Start with his. Let's get down on our knees and recognize who God is and that God has the answers to our questions. God has the answers to our problems, and let's go to him. And so that leads us to the third component here is that Nehemiah had a caring heart. He had a sensitive heart, but he had a prayerful heart that we will see play out over and over and over through the book. And I I wish... I, when I do verse by verse, I love to get into detail, but I know that sometimes in the detail of things that we lose people. That I could literally spend months and months and months and months in the book of Nehemiah going detail by detail in all these things. And this prayer that we'll see here is full of things. And I encourage you that in your personal study to dig deeper into it this week, this prayer. But as we start in verse 5 and we, we go through his prayer, there's, there, there is a model here for us to follow. And, and he says this And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. The first thing that Nehemiah does is he, he starts praising God and adoring God for who he is. He doesn't immediately go to the throne room and beg for God to, to take care of the people in Jerusalem, he goes to God with utter respect. In awe and wonder, recognizing who God is. He's beseeching the throne room of God in absolute humility. I think in our culture today that we've missed that. Even consider for me, when you guys go to Sunday school here in a few moments and you start your prayer time. We forget about this. We forget about the adoration the time we forget about adoring him for who he is. We forget about the worship time and we go straight to the give me, give me, give me's We need to remember who he is and go to a door first and then we, we pick up, he says, then he says this, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night. For the people of your servants of Israel's, and so he, he's going from this time of recognizing who God is, and then he's he's talking about, you know, please listen to your servant. I'm here praying, but I want you to see what he does next. Before he goes into this time of asking God, he immediately goes into a time of confession. Now I want you to watch as we read through what he was confessing. I pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. He's not just confessing his own sins, he's not just confessing the sins of his home, he's confessing the sins of the entire people of Israel. Remember, he's grown up in captivity. He's there because of the sins of his forefathers. And it could be very easy for him to you know, blame everybody else. But he says, look, even I and even my father, we have not kept the commandments, the statues that you have given us. So we're not just in captivity because of what my forefathers, my grandfathers, and great-grandfathers have done. We're in captivity because of what I've done. I want you to see the progression as he goes through this prayer that he recognizes God for who he is. He confesses sin. And then, here's the next thing he does before he even goes to his beseechment. He claims the promises of God. He says this, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But, one of the best words in all the Bible, but. If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and I will bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your power and your strong hand. And so here he is. He's, he's remembering the promises of God. He's remembering that God said, if you do not obey, I will scatter you. But if you come back and you obey and you keep my statues, I will gather all of them. And I will bring them back together. And so here we find Nehemiah. Because of his caring heart, he asks about the condition of the people in Jerusalem. Because of his sensitive heart, he he immediately feels this burden. He goes to his knees, and now he comes, because of his prayerful heart, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he goes about it the right way. May I challenge you, especially as you go into your Sunday school classes and you go before the throne room of God, that you go about it the right way. First and foremost, worship Him for who He is. Proclaim His goodness, His mercy, the things that He's done on your life. Proclaim His promises. Pray through, pray for the promises of God. And then, make sure that we are in right standing with Him before we ever go and ask for a request. It's easy for us, and we've gotten a habit of, in, in matter of fact, I may even suggest that we do this in Sunday school, that we no longer ask for requests for other people. Now, you're probably going, huh? Let's write those down on a sheet of paper. You can have somebody that's in charge of the, the prayer ministry of the class. Write all those down and email and everybody. You guys can pray for them out the week. But how about we just ask for requests for ourselves? What do we need God to do in my life this week? And we beg God to, to answer those requests for His glory and His glory alone. We need to remember who it is that we're going to. This is not Walmart where we say, I want this, I want this, I want this. God, give it to me. (laughs) This is the King of Kings. That because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to step into the throne room, something that was just given to the high priest once a year to do. But because of what Jesus did, we have the opportunity to go in there any time that we want. But let's not forget the price that was paid so that we could do that. Let's not forget who it is that we are speaking to. And Nehemiah certainly didn't forget that. He understood. Now remember, he was a guy that he had it all. As a Jew in captivity, you didn't get any further than he was. He had it all. And yet he still had this caring heart. He had a sensitive heart. He had a part of prayer. And the last thing that he had, as we'll see play out over and over in the book, but you see it right here in the beginning, he had a willing heart. I and mean, may I challenge us with this. You can have a caring heart, you can have a sensitive heart, and you can have a prayerful heart. But what good are those if you don't have a willing heart to follow the will of the Spirit? Even us as a church, we could be caring for other people's needs. We could be you know, praying for them. We could be sensitive to those needs. But if we're not willing to do what God calls us as a body of believers, but what God calls us individually to do, what good is it? And so here you have Nehemiah. He's understanding these things, and but you'll see... That his willing heart, I mean, let's look at verse 11. You see this begin to play out. He says, Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. Watch this. And give success to your servant today, grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. I believe that you see starting to play out in verse 11, and we we understand this later on as we see in in chapter 2, that God was already formulating on his heart a plan of what he needed to do. He needed to go to the king and ask, as we'll see in in the verses and chapters to follow, this great plan. But let me just suggest that it came as he was praying. It came as he was willing, and God began to unfold this plan, as we'll see it in much more detail later on. But because of his willing heart and his willing spirit, God blessed in a mighty, mighty way. And so as we, as we begin to wrap up today, I want to ask us to to ask ourselves, are we willing to have caring hearts? Are we really willing to check our hearts? And, you know, as Psalms 139 says, search me and know my heart, try me and know even my thoughts and see if there be any grievous. The the King James says, wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Are we willing, really willing to check our hearts in the midst of, you know, all these, we've got lots of transitions ahead. There is lots of change that's about to take place for us as a church, and that is scary. But are we really willing to check our hearts and ask God that when we start to feel this uncertainty or this nervousness or whatever it is, that are we really willing to make this commitment to, to go to God and, God and pray Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24? God, search my heart. This can't be about me, it can't be about my desires, it can only be about you. I believe Nehemiah was doing that. Here he is, he's got it all. Things really aren't going to get much better for him and he's about to throw it all out the window. He's about to go to the king who, as he walked into the presence of the king, we'll see as as we continue in the story, he was discouraged. You weren't discouraged in the sight of the king. The king had the authority to execute you if you walked into his presence and you were discouraged we really willing to check our hearts? Secondly, are we, are we willing to ask God to give us a spiritual sensitivity? Not just a sensitivity to other people, but a spiritual sensitivity to be sensitive to what he sees. To ask us, as Nehemiah did in his personal time with God, that, that God would give his promises to us. That God, as we seek to fulfill the mission that he's given us, that he would allow us to see lives transformed with his gospel. You know That we would be a, a part of that. Now, are we willing to ask, you know, how does this, you know, this play out for me? The, the questions that we're asking in the beginning of the service, you know, what is it that I need to do as we go through this? But are we really willing to ask God to give us a spiritual sensitivity? I try to do that all the time. You know, God, let me see what you see. Let me really understand what's going on in this person's life right now. They're acting out in a way I don't understand. Let, let me see what I can't see. Give me a spiritual sensitivity. But are we also... Are we willing to ask God to transform our prayers? I want that to sink in for a moment. All of us have ruts, and we have prayer ruts. We do this. We've done the same thing over and over and over. And when you go to your time of prayer, we typically do the same thing over and over and over. But are we willing to allow God to transform our prayers? You know, as he gives us the caring heart, the sensitive heart, are we really allowing allowing him to to transform our prayer life and to pray his word back to him as Nehemiah did, to pray for his promises? Or are we simply just going to go and ask him to give, give, give? Now, if you're asking him to give what the things that he wants to give, to give to give himself glory, he will do that every time, but we need to make sure our, right, our hearts are right. And finally, are we really willing to do whatever it takes to fulfill his desires for us as a local body of believers? When I look back over the last couple of months, there is no doubt in my mind that God is at work. There's no doubt in my mind that God is walking before us. Uh, to me, it's, it's almost like a glimpse of what the Israelites would have experienced in the wilderness, that they had this visible manifestation of God leading them. I don't know in our lives that we get any more than what we're experiencing as a body of believers. But even as the Israelites, they, they saw this pillar of fire leading them, and they still murmured, you know, we need to guard our, our hearts. Are we really willing to do whatever it takes to do whatever it is that God is calling us to do as a body of believers? In a moment, we're going to have our time of invitation. And I'm going to ask that if you're willing to do those things, we'll leave these up on the screen, that you make a commitment before God Almighty that I'm willing to, to check my heart. Whenever I feel something, I'm just willing to pray Psalm 139. Am I willing to ask God to give me a spiritual sensitivity so that even as I'm going through my neighborhood, that God is making me sensitive to a specific family that I can build a relationship with, to specific needs that I might be able to help take care of physical needs so that we can get to the spiritual needs. We're allowing God to transform our prayer life so it's more conformed to how Nehemiah was and are really, really willing to do whatever it takes. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this body Believe We thank you for those who are being faithful to the call to serve faithfully. And Lord, I pray through the leadership of the men that are here and others in this church that you will lead us into the future in ways that we just can't help but shout your praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.